you're able, will you please stand and join in the call to worship? We come to hear the story of God's faithfulness to past generations. Our God is also God of the future. The God who was with our ancestors will be with us as well.
Good morning and welcome to worship here at Southside Baptist Church on this beautiful Sunday morning. It's good to be here in the house of the Lord to get, join our hearts and spirits, to lift our voices and song and prayer and the spoken word as we worship our Lord, the one true and living God, all together uh, in this place. Southside Baptist Church is here in the heart of Five Point South. We are building an inclusive community of grace, first in this community and then beyond. And we hope that as you came in, whoever you are, wherever you came from, that you felt the warmth of our family of faith here. And that is due because the presence of Christ is here. So today as we spend time in, in worship, we also want to acknowledge that and to uh, share that peace of Christ that is a part of our worship every week. And so we ask that you would take just a moment and to greet those nearby you by passing the peace of Christ. And we, uh, we also greet you again. Uh, we might remind you, uh, if you are a visitor for us, but also our regular uh, attendees, if you would find those little blue booklets uh, and perhaps sign in, let us know about your presence. Uh, we promise not to spam you or do anything other than uh, make contact with you if you need us and vice versa. Uh, and so uh, do, do sign in and uh, pass those along. There are also our, our cards there uh, that you may signed to for prayer requests or such as that to put in the offering plate at the end of the uh, at the end of the service when we uh, pass the offering um, it is uh, it is my great honor always to work with these choristers and uh, uh, the piece that you heard this morning uh, the reference really has to do with the uh, scripture reference that you'll see uh, here later uh, about uh, the rider being thrown into the sea um, Pharaoh and so forth um, also, it, it strikes me that all of our tunes and all of our hymns, rather, are, are intended to reflect upon the theme of the, of the worship uh, today. The, uh, the, the hymn that we will sing in just a moment, uh, you're going to know the tune, and I'm not going to keep you in suspense, but you're going to know it as Good King Wenceslas. Uh, so I suppose that once you start singing it in a few moments, um, then you'll realize that you know, if a barroom tune can be used for our national anthem, the Star Spangled Banner, then uh, there are other good tunes that can be uh, moved around and used for other uh, purposes as well. This text is, is a good one for our, uh, our purposes today. May we go to the Lord in prayer as we begin continuing in worship. Our Father, our God, we thank you for this beautiful day and for the peace that knows not our understanding, but that you can give us through our worship, through our, our being together as a body here in this place today. 
help us as we move forward that we may indeed know that we may go forward in hope. That no matter what goes forward, that you remain faithful, that nothing can separate us from your love. We praise you, we bless you, and we thank you for that. Continue us in this hour as we manifest that in the words that are said, the songs that are sung, the prayers that are prayed. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Now we stand together and sing this, this great tune. first scripture lesson today is Psalm 114, and it is also one that reflects the theme of worship, of, of God's presence, of God's care, of God's liberation of his people, but also as he liberates us as we believe and respond to the gospel. When Israel came out of Egypt, the house of Jacob from a people of foreign tongue, Judah became God's sanctuary. Israel, his domain, dominion. The sea looked and fled, the Jordan turned back, the mountains skipped like rams, the hills like lambs. Why was it, O sea, that you fled, O Jordan, that you turned back, you mountains that you skipped like rams, you hills like lambs? Tremble, O earth, at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the God of Jacob, who turned the rock into a pool, 
the hard rock into springs of water. Here ends our first scripture lesson. Our second reading this morning is from the Old Testament, from the book of Exodus. We're thinking in in this month of uh, September in our homilies on the story of Israel's journey from Egypt towards the promised land under the general title of the journey of faith and thinking about what it means to be on a journey of faith ourselves. This morning we're thinking about the theme of the God who frees us. And the passage from Exodus chapter 15 is when the people of Israel, discovering that God has freed them from slavery in Egypt, begin to worship God. Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. Horse and rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my might, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him. My father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in splendor, doing wonders? You stretched out your right hand, the earth swallowed them. In your steadfast love, you led the people whom you redeemed. You guided them by your strength to your holy abode. The people's hair, they trembled, pang seized the inhabitants of Philistia. Then the chiefs of Edom were dismayed, trembling seized the leaders of Moab. All the inhabitants of Canaan melted away. Terror and dread fell upon them. By the might of your arm, they became still as stone. Until your people, O Lord, passed by. Until the people whom you acquired passed by. You brought them in and planted them on the mountain of your own possession. The place, O Lord, that you made your abode, the sanctuary, O Lord, that your hands have established, the Lord will reign forever and forever. This is the word of the Lord. be seated. Good morning. Good morning again. And I want you in, in line with my voice, please. 
tension over here. There you go. You're big, you're a good big sister, aren't you? Well, I want to talk to you just a little bit today about how different you all are. Did you know that you're different? You didn't? Anyone here know that everyone is different from Jack? And Jack's different from everyone else? I think we do. And we know that Martine is, and Lila, and Anna, and Millicent, and also Abigail. But I want to show you something here that will demonstrate that, I think, a little something else about it. And we're going to use something that maybe you, you might like. I don't know if you do or not. But it's a... Um, let me have that, Jack. Well, no, we're going to look at them now, okay? I want you to look at all of these. Wait a minute. Just look. Just look, okay? I want you to look at all these for just a minute. Now, what, a, what do you see about these? Without touching them, just look. You smell chocolate. They smell like chocolate. But what else? They're different colors. They're, they're diff Some of them are actually different shapes. There's one there that's a little bit different. Yeah, I think it's an M that's on its side, doesn't it? Well, anyway, the point is this. Look, they're all different, right? They're all different colors. But what's, what is that in the inside of that is what? Chocolate. The thing is that what's inside is what's really important about you and about all of us, that even though we're all different, even though we're different, what we have in our heart is the most important. Do you believe that? So what do we learn from looking at these and seeing how different they are? I mean, look out there. Look out there in the congregation. Everyone out there is different. These look smooth. Yeah, I don't know what that has to do about being, being different, but it's your observation, so that's good. But look at everyone out there. Look out there. What about everyone out there? Are they, the, are they the same? No, we're all different. We're all different. And we hope that everyone has goodness in our heart. Yes. So think about, about this as you go. This is, that's right. When you think about everyone around us from the smallest, Lila, to the tallest, Abigail, that even though we're all different and uh, we may look different, that what's in our heart is the most important thing, right? It's right here, okay? Our heart. So let's pray that when we look around us, that we see people and we see what's in their heart. We ask to see the goodness. And we have goodness in our heart too, okay? So let's let's offer prayer. Lord, we thank you for the fact that you have made us all different. You have given each one different gifts and abilities. But you've given these children here talents and gifts, some that they are not even aware of yet. But we ask, oh Lord, that you would bless them and that in their, their uniqueness that you would guide them in the way that you would have them go. Bless them in Christ's name. Amen. All right, here you go.
join me in our intercessory prayers this morning. Let us pray. Help us, dear Lord, as we worship you today to take stock of all our thoughts and actions, making sure always that first and foremost we are loving you. In your kindness, deliver us from evil. Through your love, restore us to right relationship with yourself and also with others. We are so grateful that you are a God of grace, a God who forgives our debts as we forgive our debtors. Gracious God, persistently loving, insistently faithful, comfort with your healing touch all who carry heavy burdens today as we meet to worship you. We pray for those who care for loved ones, anxious over families. We pray that your spirit of healing may breathe into our own lives, that we might experience your transforming love and may work towards reconciliation within our community and our country. We pray for all this morning seeking or beginning new times of employment, others who are continuing their studies at school and college, and those experiencing retirement, seeking renewal and new beginnings, for all at a stage of change within their life, grant strength and courage. God of peace in a world of conflict, we pray for leaders of our local communities, our churches, our country and our world. We pray for those who will meet as leaders of the nations this week in New York, that they may make decisions that are in accord with your commandments to bring peace, life and justice into our world, a world that you created. Lord God, we pray for all people in their daily life and work. We pray for our families, our friends, our neighbors. We pray for especially for those who are alone and without homes to live in. And we name before you individuals experiencing personal hardship or facing an uncertain future, those who are separated from loved ones, those who grieve this day, those who are sick in hospital or ill at home. Hear us, O Lord, as we lift up those people in those situations you have placed upon our hearts. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. All these prayers offered audibly and silently, we bring to you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray with confidence, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever.
1975 uh, Theological College after my freshman year there, a friend and myself crossed the English Channel and began to backpack towards Rome. It was holy year in 1975, and we were anxious to go to Vatican Square and be blessed by Pope Paul VI. Neil and myself, a good conservative evangelical who dreamed about the Pope, it seemed every night in our journey, I tended to dream about pasta and gelato. But anyway, we were there for two weeks and were blessed twice by the Pope. We had some great adventures along the way, some of them better than others. There were the two nuns who took us in their VW Beetle into Brussels, capital city of, of Belgium. And then there was the time we were looking for somewhere to stay in Belgium. And we were picked up by somebody in a very nice looking Mercedes Benz who took us to sleep somewhere in Munich. But on the way, we discovered he was a drug dealer and he did a drug deal and we were put into the back seat of the car when he did it. The lasting effect for Neil was that he is now a Roman Catholic priest in South Wales in the United Kingdom, and I became a Baptist pastor. <laughs> the journeys that we take in life can be exciting, they can be interesting, sometimes a little bit frightening. If one of my daughters had ever suggested to go backpacking in Europe, I think I would have had a different uh, idea about the thing. The journey of faith in Exodus that we're exploring during this month of, of September is one in which we share. We're, we're pilgrims, as our choir reminded us. We're pilgrims in a similar way to the people of Israel. We're journeying towards a destination. We're on a journey of faith. Their experience of liberation celebrated at Passover is something that we as Christians share also, as we rejoice in the liberating love of God, the freedom from sin and selfishness, and the way in which God has pointed us in a new direction and said to us, follow me. Now, the people of Israel wrote down their stories, and these stories they saw as momentous events in their history. Not that they are without problems. The moral issues associated with this story are very real. Pushing back the waves seems okay if you're a member of the people of Israel, but crashing those waves down on the pursuing Egyptians isn't much fun for the army of Pharaoh seems legitimate to us to ask in the light of the coming of Jesus whether a God who could deliver the Israelites from slavery could have done so in a slightly less bloodthirsty manner. It seemed ironic to myself as we were singing the second hymn that it was written by men of Simons whose leadership founded the Mennonite community which is a community of peace. Yet we need to remember as Perhaps we are too quick to be critical about these stories, that these stories matter. This is a story about people in slavery, and it's bound to be hard to read it, read it if, if nothing in one's life remotely corresponds to slavery. I worked for some years in, in Glasgow, in Scotland, a city that grew rich in the profits of the slave trade, with our connection to the colonies over here and also to the West Indies. I uh, used to go down a main street in Glasgow called Jamaica Street that was built on the sugar plantation profits. So when I read this story, I read it with the reality that I am one of the Egyptians. That's how I should read it, a story that exposes truth about my own life and my own heritage. The second guideline, I think, to read some of these historical stories is to read them in the light of the coming of Jesus Christ. 
we read them in the light of the one who gave us a full understanding of who God is, a full understanding of a God of grace and love and mercy, a God who revealed himself in the life, death, and and resurrection of our Savior. This is a story that we take out of Israel's liberation, and we look forward or we look back to the coming of Jesus who brought us liberation from sin and from selfishness. We discover in the coming of Jesus that we worship a God who frees us from our sin. And yet we still ask questions. Why all the plagues? Why the judgment? In a strange paradoxical way, it may be that through these events, the story is suggesting, I think more than suggesting, that God is providing opportunity for Pharaoh to respond to his grace. There's a haunting phrase that comes 16 times in the book of Exodus about the story of Pharaoh. It's about Pharaoh's heart. It says sometimes that Pharaoh hardened his heart. And then there are the most difficult occasions when it says that God hardened his heart. The latter reference may suggest that God finally allows Pharaoh to do what he wants to do, to turn his back completely against God. And yet, as we read the story of the deliverance from the Red Sea, we think about how the the Christian church saw that as a, a picture of how God delivers us from our sin. They saw that the the cross, they, they saw that sin and death and evil were our slavery. They saw the cross as the raging waters of the Red Sea, and they saw the dry land as Jesus' resurrection. And because it was a story about Jesus, they realized it was the kind of thing that God does when he frees us. Exodus is really a story of God freeing us, freeing us from our situation, beginning a new start, giving us the opportunity of new hope, leading us on a journey away from ourselves towards his purposes for our lives. And yet the story of the the Red Sea is only the beginning of what happens in the next two or three chapters. As the people of Israel, having celebrated all God that's done for them, goes forward and it continues in the wilderness. After they celebrated the deliverance of God with a lot of singing and not, not to forget the dancing led by Miriam, um, Israel finds itself at the beginning of the Sinai Peninsula a vast, untracked, inhospitable, hostile wilderness. They set up camp at a place called Elam, which was an oasis with food and water. But after 45 days, Moses leads them out of Elam into the wilderness, and they ask a very basic question, what's for dinner? I think they're Baptists, really, because Baptists like to eat, especially on a Wednesday night at supper time. But they also sense that they're vulnerable, they're fragile. There doesn't seem to be any water out there, no trees, no fruit, no vegetation as far as they can see. Where on earth is Moses taking us? And so on day one of the 40 years of wilderness wanderings, the people begin to complain. They've been worshiping and now they complain. And they say, if only we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt but you brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Now, in a remarkable way, the response of God is not, well, maybe I should take you back to the Red Sea and get the waters to drown you all. No, God decides to be merciful. 
says, I'm going to rain bread from heaven on you. And what happens next? Well, in the evening, there are quails to catch and eat. And in the morning, bread on the ground, manna. In his commentary on Exodus, Terence Fritham says that in the Sinai Peninsula, the tamarisk tree secretes a juice that congeals into a yellowish white flake. During the warmth of the day, it disintegrates, but rich in carbohydrates and sugar, it's gathered by people who bake it into a kind of bread, manna. And in the Sinai, flocks of migratory birds flying from Africa often land and are exhausted and they're able to be caught easily. What I think Tritham is suggesting, what I'm suggesting here is that the way in which God provides for his people is miraculous and yet it's ordinary, it's within the ordinary experiences of life. Let me give you three examples. In Exodus 15:23, God uses a tree. The Lord showed him a tree and he cast it into the waters. That tree had been there for years and years and years, providentially put there until the need arose. A kind of anticipatory providence of God who sees into the future. Then in 1527, they came to Elam and there were 12 springs of water. The water had been there for centuries. And they took them there to give them water. And then in chapter 16, 13, the quails came and covered the camp. It was the migratory path of the birds, but they were there at the right time. And one year Israel came and were hungry. God provides, although sometimes we don't realize it, sometimes because the provision of God is, seems to be in the natural affairs and process of life, we're, we're not grateful enough for it. And so we're not content. And we begin to murmur and complain. Although God's provisions are daily provisions, short term, not long term. The manna will not keep. It spoils rapidly in the heat. And we're not talking here about long term capital provision, just daily need, daily bread. But that's what Jesus instructed us to pray for. Give us this day our daily bread. The crisis of need, however, has quickly become a crisis of faith. The first thing to go is their people's trust in God, trusting his wisdom and providence, and so they start to complain against Moses. It's really God's fault, surely. The story's familiar, isn't it? Because we can be like that as well. We fail to be grateful, we fail to be thankful, or the worship experience doesn't last throughout the week. But the people of Israel discovered that even at their lowest point, God was gracious towards them. Food to eat not only enabled them to survive, but became a daily reminder that God's grace would be with them. Exodus 15 is a remarkable chapter. It's a chapter where you find the first, first occasion in this book where a Hebrew word is used, hesed. It's a word about God's covenant steadfast love. In your steadfast love, you led the people whom you redeemed. Steadfast love. That's something that God will remind his people about over and over again in Exodus. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. It's the first time it's used, but Israel will be reminded of it over and over. The hymn of John Newton, his love in time past forbids me to think he'll leave me at last in trouble to sink. 
you feel sometimes that God has let you down? Let you down recently? We often talk about the American dream. Somebody has said the American dream is to be better off than you are. But how much money is enough money? Even when we get what we think we need, it doesn't necessarily make us contented. God is trying to suggest to the people of Israel that, yes, he provides for their needs, but not always for their wants. And in his provision, they are being reminded that his grace and mercy and love is going to be with them all along the way. Another word that's used for the first time in these chapters in Exodus chapter 16 is about the presence of God with his people. We read, Moses and Aaron tell the people, in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord. Very important word in Israel's journey of faith. The glory of the Lord that would be present with his people. Sometimes that would be represented by the fire at night and the cloud by day that would lead and guide them through the wilderness. They looked towards the wilderness and the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. Interesting that when John is telling us about the coming of Jesus, he said, and the word became flesh and we saw his glory full of grace and truth. I asked a question just a few moments ago. Do you feel that God has let you down? God has come to us in so many different ways. He provides for our needs in very ordinary ways sometimes, but the great provision of his grace is to be found in the one who reveals the glory of God in all its fullness. The poet Wendell Berry assures us the manna, the beauty, the wild geese, the people to love, the life to live, the food and drink, not only for body, but for spirit and for soul. But sometimes it's only when we come to an end of our own resources that we truly discover that grace which is present, that grace which will supply our needs. Guide me, O thou great Jehovah. I am weak, but thou art mighty. Hold me with thy powerful hand, bread of heaven, bread of heaven. Feed me till I want no more. Feed me till I want no more. Will you pray with me? We thank you for your grace, O Lord. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your provision. Help us not only to worship you today, but in the days of this coming week to place our faith firmly in you and your grace and your presence with us at all times and in all circumstances. We ask this for your own dear name's sake. Amen. Our hymn of response today, our hymn of promise is number 42, If My People's Hearts Are Humble.
Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, our creator, creator, and sustainer, Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we're coming to your presence this morning with hearts full of gratitude for your manifold blessings. In response, we worship you, praise you, and magnify your name among men. Thank you for being our God and freeing us from the slavery of sin, sins of commission and omission. Forgive us for those times when we have failed you by not doing the things that you would ask us to do. Thank you for your generous grace, which hides and covers a multitude of sins. In response to your amazing grace, we cheerfully bring to you our tithes and offerings. Not only bless these offerings, but bless the givers with a spirit of giving, because we know that you love a cheerful giver. Thank you for supplying and multiplying these resources. Guide us now to use them to ease suffering in this country and others, to establish your kingdom of peace, and to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ throughout the world. In the strong name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.
Lord, we present these tithes and offerings. We pray, O oh Lord, that you would use them, multiply them. May they be used to further your gospel. May they bring hope to those who have lost hope. May they bring comfort to those who need to be comforted. In all things, may they be used in ways that bring honor and glory unto you. Amen. Could we see it for just a moment, please? We welcome all those who are here today, guests and members alike, once again, but also to uh, let you know that we'll have the reception there in the narthex, some lemonade and cookies, and I know many of you uh, already know about that and you make your way there, but especially if you're a guest, linger long enough that we can speak to you and welcome you, uh, give you a, a true Southside welcome if we haven't had a chance to speak to you already. This week we have our, on Monday, our deacons meeting, those of you who are deacons, be mindful of that, and then on Wednesday evening at our midweek worship. Uh, Dr. Roxburgh started a study last week, The Prayer Life of Jesus, and uh, gave us a good introduction last week, so we'll uh, be eager to hear what else you might have to share with us on this Wednesday. And then on Thursday, the men's uh, Bible study at noon, and then our communion service uh, at 5.30, and the fundraiser for Family Promise that evening at St. Stephen's Episcopal Church for those who are able to participate in that. It's been good to be in the house of the Lord together today to lift our voices in worship but also to be reminded of the way God touches our lives and provides for us in ways we don't always recognize or see or acknowledge and therefore do not offer thanks with grateful hearts in the way that we should. May we do so as Dr. Roxborough comes and, and pronounces our benediction. Remember those ways that God has blessed us so mightily. As you go into a new week, know that God's grace, mercy, and peace is with you and will never fail you. Thanks be to God. Mm -hmm.